Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 189 of Chat Disney. So welcome back to another episode of the Chat Disney podcast. And if you've been a listener for a while, you'll know that Tash and I are good at just that, chatting Disney. So much so that last week we did not manage to finish the overview of my two-week trip to Walt Disney World because we chatted just a little too much. So we are continuing with part two this week, talking about my itinerary for my second week in Walt Disney World. And we're not going to be going into too much detail in terms of food and all that good stuff. Why not? I hear you cry. Well, we will have an episode coming out very, very soon at a later date where we go into all the details around everything that I ate and drank. So if that's of particular interest, have no fear, it will be coming very soon. But before we head into today's episode and we have a little look at week two, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So sticking with today's topic and talking a little bit about Walt Disney World, we have some really exciting news coming from Orlando. First of all, Acker House, which is the Disney princess character diner Epcot, will be reopening in November. So just a few weeks to wait if there is a or if that is a restaurant that you want to get a dining reservation for. And the news we have all been waiting for, very, very exciting. We finally have a reopening date for Fantasmic at Hollywood Studios in Walt Disney World. We teased last week that we knew November was the month that Fantasmic would be returning. And we now know that it will be with us as early as November the 3rd. So if you are visiting Walt Disney World, you want to make sure you get there nice and early. This is going to be a very popular show. And we know that crowd levels at Walt Disney World have been very, very very high recently. One little tip that might help you to secure that most uh, important viewing spot for Fantasmic is a dining package. So they have announced that the, uh, renounced, they've announced the dining packages, they've announced that the dining packages, the viewing dining packages will be returning for Fantasmic. So if you've got a bit of extra budget and Fantasmic is really important to you, probably worth doing. Some slightly sad controversial news this week and Tash and I could probably do a whole mad chatter segment about this Bob Chapek CEO of the Walt Disney Company I mean these announcements get more and more shocking honestly he announced this week that Walt Disney World so this is just Walt Disney World for now will be doing away with multi character meet and greets I'm grinning as I say this because honestly like I, I we shouldn't be surprised at this point so what this means and this is starting as early as the 23rd of October so if you're listening to this episode right now so it's already happened it's already in motion what this means is if you go to one of the character meet and greets like the Town Square Theatre on Main Street in the Magic Kingdom to see Mickey and Minnie in their 50th anniversary outfit which I was very very pleased I got to do on my trip spoiler for today's episode well 
sadly, I'll be talking about that today. And that is a thing of the past, because if you go to that meet and greet location, it's just going to be Mickey on his own. So that's what we mean when we talk about multiple characters at one character meet and greet location. Now, Bob Chapek says that the reason for this is because the cast members who are friends with the characters are under immense pressure right now with shows returning. You know, we just spoke about Fantasmic. And so they're being stretched a little bit too thin. And he believes that one of the ways that they can help the cast members with this is by just having one character at each meet and greet location interestingly in the same announcement he said that for those guests that are disappointed about this he would recommend attending a party like a halloween party because there's obviously exclusive meet and greets you sometimes get to meet the entire cast of a disney film or by going to a character meal so uh, a face character that's not what I mean character dining sorry my brain today is not with it uh, he recommends character dining which as we know is um, also a very expensive uh, thing to do now if you are visiting to Walt Disney World uh, you know anytime soon after 23rd of October so now basically and you're worried about this we only know at the moment that this is impacting Minnie at the Town Square Theatre on Main Street so in her 50th outfit and also Minnie at the Epcot International Gateway as well. So she will no longer be present there. Now, I I, I think, Tash, we've got lots of Walt Disney World news to cover today, but just very quickly, I mean, we, we, we're going to have to talk about this, uh, I think probably maybe even today when we when we get to that part of my trip, but we, we need to dissect this a little bit. I mean, yeah, I have a lot to say on, on this matter and that man, honestly, I just, I, I can't, I really, really can't. It's honestly one thing after another but yeah let's let's talk about it a little bit when we get to that bit in in the episode okay i've got like we're gonna go off on a massive tangent from the news definitely definitely so sticking with the news let's you know it's not all doom and gloom um run disney events have been revealed for 2023 and 2024 and i know lots of people have been waiting for these events to get into their diary if you are a running enthusiast and a disney enthusiast what better way to blend your passions than by attending a run disney event if you would like to do so in Walt disney world definitely go onto the run disney website to find out more and i said it wasn't all doom and gloom but i am ending on a bit of a, a bit of a sombre note for Walt Disney World News Disney have announced that they have ended COVID pay for their employees now I don't know the exact ins and outs of the contract because I am not a Walt Disney World employee but I believe that they they were guaranteed two weeks full pay if they had a COVID-19 diagnosis Disney have announced now that with the end of the the pandemic or it not being such a a widespread issue that COVID pay policy is now ceasing ceasing to exist I'm going to hand over to Tash now because I'm just I'm muddling all my words today and I'm going to stick with the topic of Covid actually something we haven't spoken about for a while on this podcast and it um, refers to Tokyo Disney this week and they have decided to charge unvaccinated guests extra very controversial again Um, and tickets for vaccinated guests are going to be discounted and they are being discounted already and this has now been extended until January 2023 so yeah a little bit controversial I don't know what the statistics are for people who are vaccinated versus unvaccinated in Japan but um, yeah an interesting move and Tash you can speak to this a little bit more because you know a lot more about the Asian parks than I do what what percentage roughly of, of Tokyo Disney is it that Disney actually own? Because I imagine this is something that's being spearheaded by the government rather than Disney. Yeah, definitely. It's 
I can't remember exactly for Tokyo, but it's it's basically owned by is it the Tokyo government or it's owned by another business in Tokyo and they basically I think they like lease the rights from Disney if that makes sense don't quote me on that I'm gonna have to look that up after this but it's something like that so yeah yeah, all their rules and all their policies will be put in place by their um, Japanese owners great yeah just really important to clarify that I think and final bit of news and I'm sticking with the theme of Asia a little bit of Disney Plus news Disney Plus we take it for granted nowadays but the Philippines if you are living in the Philippines this affects you the Philippines are getting Disney Plus on November the 17th so still taking the world by storm gosh lots to unpack there and as as we said we absolutely will talk about the uh, much controversial news about character meet and greets in today's episode so let's head into it chatting all about the second half of my Walt Disney World holiday so at the end of last week's episode we got to the end of your first week so we spoke about what you did In the first week, we spoke about the hurricane a little bit, but as we kept saying, and I will say again, we are going to be speaking about that in a lot more detail later on, because it's something I want to know more about, you know, in terms of how Disney handled that situation and what was put in place and what they're offering as compensation. So we will be doing that in a later episode, but we did touch a little bit on that briefly last week. And we spoke about what you and Rumpy did during your first week. So let's kick it straight off and get straight into it because we talked a lot last week so I feel like this week might be similar so we've just had the Saturday just quickly remind us what you did on the Saturday so Saturday I went to Hollywood Studios this was one of those reservations and and this is true for the rest of the trip now as a little refresher if for some reason you found yourself here and you haven't listened to the first half For the rest of my holiday now, I cannot change any of my Disney Park reservations. And this is a direct response to the um, Hurricane Ian situation. Disney made the decision in order to control crowd levels and that sort of thing. They froze the booking system. I believe I could change like on the day, but I, yeah, I I can't remember the exact ins and outs of it, but essentially, yeah, at this point I could not change any of my reservations. So I kind of had to stick with my original, original plan. So yeah, Hollywood studios on the Saturday ending with a really nice dinner at another park at a really nice restaurant that I will reveal at a later date when we do our food episode. Cool. So let's get straight into Sunday. So by this point you've done all the parks once at least, So what happened on the Sunday? So again, um, for those of you that haven't listened to the first episode, there's going to be a lot of, we were meant to do this, but we ended up doing this because the hurricane resulted in us losing two days of our holiday. So we did have to adjust certain bits and pieces around. So the Sunday was always a little bit TBC. We had a brunch booking at a place that only does brunch on a Sunday. I'm sure diehard Walt Disney world fans know exactly what I'm talking about so we wanted to go to that but we were umming and ahhing this could have been our Typhoon Lagoon day this may have been our second day at Universal if we'd planned to do two days this might just be a chill day by the pool I might go and do a bit of outlet shopping my husband said he might get a round of golfing it was it was a very loose day but unfortunately because of Hurricane Ian 
it became a day that was very essential. So the Sunday after we had brunch, we decided that we were going to drink around the world at Epcot, which was something that my husband was really passionate about doing. Those of you that remember listening to last week's episode will know that our Epcot day was a bit of a weird one. It was the day before the hurricane, the day before all of the parks closed. There was a very eerie atmosphere. There was nobody really around. There kind of wasn't an atmosphere. All of the uh, food and wine stalls were being closed as early as four or five o'clock because they were trying to make preparations for the storm that was approaching. So it was a bit of a weird day. So it felt that we needed to get back to Epcot, especially to to drink around the world and enjoy World Showcase to kind of rectify what had happened during our previous Epcot visit. Yeah, that that makes sense. So drinking around the world is something that myself and my husband did when we went pre-pandemic and it was a really really fun chilled day and I think you know a great activity to do with someone who isn't maybe into the Disney element of the parks so much do you want to talk about this now or because it's food and drink related are you going to save it for when we talk about food and drink Yeah, that's a very good point. I think let's save it. Um, What I will say is if you're curious to have a little sneak peek, I do have an Epcot highlight on my Instagram. So my Instagram is at Mercedes Lois. There's a little Epcot story highlight. And my husband and I did reviews and ratings of every single thing that we drank and ate around the world. And this is going to come as a huge shock, but it was actually my husband's idea to do that. Wow, yeah, that that is a surprise, I think. Yeah. And did um obviously I know we're gonna talk about the, you know, exactly what you what you drank around the world. Did you get drunk? Yes, we both were quite drunk. Um, I am not a big drinker at all, which those of you that know me personally will know, and it's it's getting less and less so as I get older. So I <laughs> I mean, how many countries are there in World Showcase? Like 12. I think I had like I think I had like three drinks to myself, maybe even two to myself. And then I shared like two or three. So you can do the maths. Uh, My husband was really, um, also he'd had a couple of drinks at brunch as well. I think he'd already had like two beers before we got there. And you you can watch it, watch it on Epcot, but he, uh, on the Epcot story highlight on my Instagram, he, um, yeah, I, even a few of the places where I had ordered a drink, he insisted that, you know, it's only right. So um, you can imagine. And then we decided to do one attraction. We were very lucky, actually, actually, it was still very quiet. It was much more atmospheric and the weather was amazing and everyone was in a really good mood because obviously we've just all survived a hurricane, which is great and it was a really amazing day we actually got into the park at about three o'clock so quite late and I think I can't remember oh I know I know what happened we ha- I don't want to give it away but the place that we had brunch uh was very close to Gideon's Bakehouse and I wanted to get some of the cookies to try out and I was worried that they were going to melt I didn't want to get a locker, whatever. So we actually ended up going back to the hotel, changing clothes, maybe. I, I can't remember. But anyway, so we had a bit of a detour and it meant that we didn't get to Epcot until three. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, okay. So you definitely wouldn't have got a virtual queue for Guardians. Well, you might be surprised. We did. We managed to get, we. so just anyone that's listening that isn't familiar with this, 
if you are staying at a Disney hotel, you can book your virtual queue when it goes live at 7 a.m. If not, you have to wait till the park opens and you have to, I think you have to be physically in the park. And that's like whatever time the park opens, so 8.30 or 9 or something. So, you know, hotel guests have had two hours. So you can imagine how difficult it is. If you miss that slot, then there's always a second virtual queue. And for Guardians, it was at one o'clock. And for that one, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're staying, you have to be in the park. And we were like, we'll just see, because like we loved it so much the first time. And yeah, we arrived at three o'clock and managed to get a virtual queue at one. So you can imagine how quiet Epcot was. Um, what I imagine probably happened is that most people did the seven o'clock virtual queue and you're actually not allowed to do both. It, it blocks you from doing both virtual queues. So yeah, we managed to get on Guardians of the Galaxy at about nine o'clock in the evening, like the same time as Harmonious. So again, another reason why not that many people wanted that slot. Um, and uh, yeah, it was um, good fun. Amazing. I mean, yeah, so you've lost two days because of hurricane, but you've obviously made up time in it in a sense because the park has been so much quieter. Um, okay, so let's move on to, on to Monday. Okay, so Monday was meant to be our second Hollywood Studios day. And you'll remember when we were talking about the planning, Hollywood Studios is the busiest of the parks. And I was envisioning that we were going to probably do a whole day at Galaxy's Edge and then we would need a second day to sort of do everything else. Luckily, that wasn't the case because we did go to Hollywood Studios a couple of days after the hurricane. So we managed to do everything, including Rise of the Resistance twice, which I still quite can't quite believe. So what happened instead on the Monday, and again, this is where I say to you, you can't change park reservations. So we did go to Hollywood Studios, but we actually did half Typhoon Lagoon, half Hollywood Studios, because again, Typhoon Lagoon was one of our casualties from the two days that we lost. So we got to Typhoon Lagoon really early. We were actually there before it opened. We were one of the first people to, to walk through. We did every single slide. I say we, I didn't do one of them because I'm a wuss, but my husband did it. So we combined <laughs> semantics. You can tell I work in marketing, did everything. Um, and yeah, we were done by like 10. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we went back to, I think we went back to the hotel, change of clothes, all that jazz. Then we went to Hollywood Studios and I managed to move. You asked me last week um, if any of my dining reservations were casualty to the hurricane and Ogre's Cantina was the only one. I managed to secure that for this day. So we're basically just going to do that. We didn't, I don't think we went on any rides. I think we we walked on to Smuggler's Run and maybe Star Tours, but everything else had, oh no, we single rided Smuggler's Run. That's why we walked on. So we spoke a little bit about that last week and how we were both engineers and we had children as pilots and the mum and dad were the shooters. And it was a very entertaining experience, banging into lots of things, as I'm sure you can imagine. But yeah, we didn't really go on any rides because this was the start. That Monday was the start of, honestly, the most insane crowd levels I have ever seen at any Disney park in my life. Because you imagine you've got a week's worth of people who are meant to go during the hurricane that have postponed. The weather was glorious. From that, like literally from like the Saturday, Friday, Saturday onwards, it was just 
pure warmth, sunshine, beautiful Florida weather, not a single cloud, not a single drop of rain. So the downside was that the parks were very, very busy. And that Monday, oh my God, you know, you're seeing like three, four hours for Rise of the Resistance when we had walked on it just a couple of days before, which is absolutely madness. So yeah, I don't think we actually did any rides. We just kind of milled around and yeah, we definitely did Smuggler's Run, definitely did Star Tours. And we had a really nice drink at the Hollywood Brown Derby. And I know we're talking about food and drink and stuff next time or whenever. But um, yeah, that's that's what we did. It was a lot of milling around this second week. Uh, you'll notice there's a bit of a theme. I like milling around. I think, you know, once you've done some of the attractions, then I think having a day where you do kind of just mill around the park is is great because I think otherwise it gets so busy and you're just running from attraction to tra- attraction to attraction. I think if you've got enough time and you've got a day to just go into a park, maybe go on a ride if there's not much of a queue, but just make it your intention to just kind of go at a slower pace and just enjoy the atmosphere and all the little things that nobody else notices because they're running from attraction to attraction. I think they're some of the the best Disney park days. Yeah, definitely. And and we definitely had our, our fair share of those in the second week. But as, as I say, you know, the hurricane kind of made it possible because, yes, we lost two days of our holiday. To your point, Tash, it's like, but would we have got on Rise of the Resistance walk-on twice? Absolutely not. Would we have done Slinky Dog Dash with a 15-minute queue? No. So, um, yeah, we, we managed to get everything and more done sort of on our first visit to each park which was fantastic and it meant that yeah we um we could enjoy our second week at a slower pace which I think my husband definitely appreciated yeah I I think it's a very nice thing for someone who's not you know hardcore into into Disney so moving on to the next day what did you do where did you go So this was our second Animal Kingdom day and this one was really important. We really needed this one because you'll recall that when we went to Animal Kingdom the day after Hurricane Ian, Expedition Everest, the Safari and the Rapids were all closed. So we desperately, desperately wanted to ride those and the Safari was the most important one for us. My husband at this point had visited each of the parks but he'd been like, I'm not making a decision about which one like of the parks is my favorite until I've done that safari because I feel like that is kind of the jewel of Animal Kingdom and if I've not done it I don't feel like I can give a fair assessment which is fair and very <laughs> logical of him I uh, wouldn't expect anything else so we rope dropped Animal Kingdom went straight to the safari there was still quite a big queue I think we had to queue for I don't know like half an hour maybe 40 minutes it was it was quite a big queue considering that we had extra magic hours or whatever they call it now and we went straight there but anyway we did it it was absolutely amazing we saw a rhino charge which was great um and we saw loads of giraffes the lions were really active as well normally when I go past the lions I'm like I'm pretty sure they're animatronics because they never move but they were really active hippos elephants you know you name it it was it was lovely and really special and my husband's family growing up never really did zoos I remember we went to a zoo once and he saw I don't know what it was a tiger or something 
and was like, you know, I don't actually think I've ever seen a tiger. And I was like, what? And he was like, no, I don't, I don't think I have. I think it was a tiger. It might've been an elephant. I can't remember. Um, I think they did like safari parks. We like drive round and, and that sort of thing, but never, never did zoos, never went to like London zoo or, or any of that sort of stuff when he was a kid. So seeing animals like that for him is still quite novel and it's just, it just takes your breath away. And I think we may have even discussed this last week. I can't remember, but I've, I've certainly said this to you, Tash, just generally, because, you know, Tash and I do actually talk to each other <laughs> outside of this podcast. But since I got a dog, I've definitely become more of an animal person. And like, I have this newfound admiration or appreciation, I should say, for Animal Kingdom. It was definitely my least favorite park before this trip and I'd say it's one of my favorites now I really enjoyed seeing the animals and it was it was really really amazing good I'm glad that you both really enjoyed it yeah I think as you say that safari is kind of the the jewel of of Animal Kingdom you can't go and not go on that I mean even if it was like a three-hour wait you still have to wait because there is something much more magical about seeing animals I know they're not in the wild there but kind of on that more safari elephant elephant element (laughs) rather than behind cage bars and you know the fact that they have this long list of animals that you may or may not see and you can do that safari again and again and again and it's going to be a different experience every single time that you do it because those animals can roam off wherever they want to within reason um but yeah you're not guaranteed to see tigers every time or to see giraffes every time I really really like that yeah me too it's it's so special and yeah we really really enjoyed it and it was one of those things where it's kind of like you know it's still got a 40 minute wait should we go again but we had such a good experience the first time that I think we just kind of wanted to to leave it at that so that was um good and then yeah the other two things the rapids and the Everest and the rapids if you follow me on Instagram you'll already know this story I made a bit of a stupid blunder a bit of a faux pas and I wore a sort of um mauve purple colored thong with a gold flowy skirt and you couldn't see the underwear at all obviously otherwise I wouldn't have worn it and didn't give it a second thought because it was quite a thick fabric and went on Carly River Rapids got absolutely soaked Do you know when you go on a water ride and halfway through you just think I've made a mistake here like I'm not enjoying this enough to warrant how wet I am um my whole bum was on show it was so bad I I honestly I stood on a wall I mean this is the luxury of milling around right I leant next to a wall um in the baking hot Florida sun for about half an hour for it to be completely dried through it was absolutely outrageous I sent a photo of it to our our mutual friend Laura because she was like it can't be that bad and I was like really you want to bet it was horrendous you know you hear those stories about like if you're walking around the parks kind of inappropriately dressed or like scantily clad they give you a voucher to like go and cover yourself up buy some clothes I honestly think that would have happened to me if I'd been bold enough to actually go anywhere it was you could see my entire bum and it it was obscene and my, my husband's face was like Oh, I was like, how bad is it? He was like, it's it's quite bad. And I ran to the toilet and it was awful. I might as well have not had a skirt on. That is hilarious. What is it with you and getting like extra soaked on these rides? Because it happened with Splash Mountain as well in um, California, didn't it? 
Yeah, that was really bad. Like I remember my park ticket because they still used paper park tickets back then. My park ticket, like the barcode came off it. It was really bad. So yeah, the Carly River Rapids is a particularly wet one. Um, I don't know if you did it when you went to Ash, but it's very similar to the rapids they've got in Shanghai. It's a, it's a pretty aggressive one. It's actually got a log flume drop in it like it's it's pretty extreme so I I should have known better but I wanted my husband to experience it and experience it we did and then yeah we did um Expedition Everest as well which my husband didn't realize went backwards and he actually enjoyed that a lot more than he thought he would so a really nice morning and then we had to rush off at about two o'clock um or no I think it was a little bit earlier actually than that maybe even 12 because we had lunch booked somewhere which I won't reveal because we are going to be talking all about food so that'll be very very exciting and then after that what did we do in the evening well the original plan was to either go back to Animal Kingdom if we hadn't done everything or just to go back to the hotel swim chill that was the plan and we probably could have stuck to that plan to be honest because we definitely had done everything that we wanted to do in animal kingdom however i recall many moons ago tash and i did a little segment called um i actually don't remember what it was called it was a new segment it was a story time was it just called story time yeah Story time. We'll go with that. I think it was called story time where I shared a really sad story about myself not getting Mickey's not so scary tickets and buying them from a dodgy website, getting conned. (laughs) It was awful. And then Tash was like, so what happened at the end? And I was like, that's that's it, Tash. I got conned and I'm not going. And we weren't satisfied with that ending, were we, Tash? No, we were not. And, you know in a in a sick twisted uh tale of events as as it as it were or twist of events what do i mean a sick and twisted twist of events that doesn't really a make strange sense. turn of events turn of events that's the word i'm looking for yes and 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 a turn of events it was obviously mickey's not so scary during a hurricane probably not something that many people want to do and lots of people are postponed to cancel their trips And it meant that they had extra tickets available for that day. Where are we? Tuesday, for that Tuesday evening. And this just happened. um, It was a really random situation. I was in Disney Springs on, I don't know what day it was, um, Sunday, I believe. Same time as getting the Gideon's cookies. And we walked past a building and it was called Disney Ticketing. And honestly, you wouldn't believe this story um, if you, yeah, you could call me a liar, but every word is true. My husband, of all people, turned to me and said, do you reckon they'll have tickets for Mickey's Not So Scary? And I went, don't be ridiculous. It's been sold out for whatever. And he was like, yeah, but like, because of the hurricane. And I was like, no, they probably won't refund people. They'll probably just say they can go on another day or whatever. Like, it's not going to happen. He was like, well, you know, if you don't ask, you don't, you don't get. So I was like, yeah, fair. We're not really doing anything. We're just chilling. Fine. So I walked over to the ticketing place and there was a guy on the door and he looked quite melancholy he didn't look like he really particularly wanted to help me and I said look I know that this is annoying whatever I hadn't had that much Disney magic at this point either I'd had pretty poor service so I wasn't expecting any miracles and I just said to this guy look I know I'm probably really you know clutching at straws here but 
I don't suppose there's any Mickey's Not So Scary tickets available. And he was like, well, you know, if you don't ask, you you won't find out or whatever, you know, similar thing to what my husband had said. And I was like, oh, and he was like, yeah, why don't you walk in and chat to one of my colleagues? And I thought, mm, this seems a bit, bit optimistic. And there was a lady ready to go at one of the sort of cashier desks and she'd overheard my brief conversation with the guy on the door. She was already on it. She went, the best I can do. She was like, we've got one day with availability. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like the 30th of October or something. She was like, is this Tuesday? And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, this Tuesday we've got tickets. And I was like, how, how, how have you got tickets? She was like, well, because of the hurricane, loads of people have had to cancel their trip, postpone their trip, whatever. And, and we, we've, we've given their money back. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And, you know, we had to kind of make the decision on the spot and she was like they're reserved in my basket right now but they will time out and I said to my husband like do you want to come and he was like not at all but are you going to enjoy it on your own and I was like probably not so we went and that's what we did on the Tuesday evening and I know that we did a let your conscience be your guide several months ago where I said I didn't know if I should even go to this thing because it's really expensive and Tasha's advice was no it's not worth the money you were wrong, Tash. I'm very pleased. You were wrong. Our listeners said that I should go. We had lots of people quite aggressively, actually, <laughs> responding on Twitter saying, no, you have to go. You have to experience it at least once. You always talk about how much you love Halloween, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And so if Chris hadn't said, look at that ticket office, I would probably not have gone. I wouldn't have known that there were tickets available. And um, as I say, it's a a pretty sick um, turn of events because of the whole hurricane situation. But that aside, I'm really, really pleased that I got to go. And you're probably wanting to know everything about it. And you are in luck because next week for our Halloween episode, we are going to be talking all things Mickey's Not So Scary. So I'm going to break it down, tell you what's worth it, what's not so worth it, what I got up to, what my highlights were. And in the end, Tash and I will ultimately decide whether or not we think the experience is worth the money. Now, one of us has actually lived it. Excellent. Yeah, no, I'm very pleased that you got tickets because I know that you were disappointed when you tried to get them and, and couldn't, lo and behold. So yeah, I am very pleased and I'm. we haven't really spoken about it that much. So I'm very excited for next week's episode as well. So you've done Mickey's Not So Scary. So a Disney first for you. Very, very exciting what happens the next day? So the next day ended up being the day that my husband Grumpy went to play Disney golf. And I'm gutted that he won't come on the podcast to talk about it because I can't, I can't tell you about it. All I have is kind of his word and what he's told me about it. But what was amazing and what I was really grateful for is the fact that he took loads of pictures around the course of all the little Disney nods, all the little attention to detail that, you know, you would only spot if you were kind of looking out for it, which was really, really sweet. And my particular highlight, I think, of all of the different photos and stories and things that he told me was that his golf bag, so they assign you a golf bag with a Disney character on it. And the one that my husband received had Grumpy on it amazing I mean that couldn't be more more fitting could it 
Yeah, exactly. I was like, did you ask for that? And he was like, obviously not. They just gave me it. But yeah, so he he played with four other guys. They sort of teamed him up. And um, yeah, if we, lots of listeners <laughs> wrote in actually last week and said they found my rendition of the NFL very entertaining. <laughs> so um, one listener actually um, said, we'd love to hear you describe other sports. Could you do cricket or something next time? Um, so here's my take on golf. And um, it's very loaded, my opinion, because it is actually the opinion of my husband. But he says that the Americans play golf very differently from British people. So for our American listeners' benefit, when my husband plays golf, which is the whole time, I'm not exaggerating, am I, Tash? No, he's literally, every time I come to your house, he's at golf. Yeah, he's always there amongst his many other hobbies. And he always, without fail, does like 22,000 steps when he plays golf. So it's like a day at a Disney park. It's intensive. And what he told me, and this is him, not me. So if you have an issue with this, if you're offended, please take it out with my uh, out of, with my husband. And um, he says that American golf is very different. You get the golf buggy everywhere. You don't do any steps. You use the golf buggy even just to go and pick up your ball. Um, you drink beer all the way around the course, which is not something that happens in the UK. And he said it's just a very different pace. And he was really hoping to get paired with three sort of very stereotypical Americans that played golf in this way. And he was not disappointed. Um, So he was paired with three men. Um, There was a guy on his own who had abandoned his family, much like my husband. And then there was a father and son as well. And we actually bumped into them in Disney Springs a few days later. And yeah, he really enjoyed it. They were from various different states. Um, I think one was Iowa. I can't remember the other two, maybe Illinois. I can't actually remember began with an eye and um he really enjoyed it and I was gonna go before anyone's like well hang on a second he's flown all that way and you can't even support him on the golf course I was going to go but make of this what you will Chapek and those purse strings you have to pay to spectate <laughs> how much is it I think it was twenty dollars that's ridiculous that I know insane. To watch, yeah. So anyway, we spoke about it and he was like, to be honest with you, I'll probably have more fun if you're not there. Cause like, and I was like, no, I get it, I get it. And I am, I, you know, the other day I walked around the golf course with him at home. I do support his hobbies. I often watch him kite surf, but this was like a no, you you go do this thing. So it meant I did something that our dear friend Tash is very fond of. Another Disney first for me. And honestly, I think my favorite day of the whole trip, <laughs> I went to the Magic Kingdom on my own. Yay. I'm so glad that you have had the experience of doing a Disney park by yourself. It's something I'm a huge, huge fan of, and it is such a different experience. So what what did you do? Did you do attractions or did you just mill around? I milled. I, d- I don't think I would enjoy... I don't really like my own company, so it's quite a big deal for me. I think Tash is much more... um, We're both extroverts, but I think you are better on your own than me. I'm I'm useless on my own. So I think 
doing attractions and queuing on my own and stuff like that, I think I would find quite difficult. But for milling around, oh my gosh, it was perfect. So I don't want to give away any spoilers for where we ate because we are doing that in an upcoming episode. Um, But we had breakfast on the monorail loop. So I got the monorail to Magic Kingdom. I was wearing a green dress and I honestly was just feeling myself this day everyone was coming up to me like oh my god you look amazing and I feel like that wouldn't have happened if I was with my husband (laughs) I had like matching ears like green ears a green dress and everyone was coming up to me like oh you look so nice you look so radiant I was like this is literally the best day of my whole life like not even just in Disney I really needed that boost as well I'd eaten so much junk at this point I felt like I had like a food baby so yeah I was like keep the compliments coming um also side note my curling wand didn't work in the USA and this is a really common uh thing to happen so it happened to my sister when she went to LA earlier this year so if you are somebody who likes to curl their hair and you're traveling from the UK to the US, check. It's something to do with the electric. Like, I don't know if you had this in China, Tash. You might know more about this than me. No, but I had it when I did Camp America with straighteners. Um, it's something to do with the the wattage or something. And they don't, yeah, they're not compatible with American plugs or something. Yeah. It's really disappointing. Like, I know it seems like such a silly thing to worry about curled hair, but yeah, so I... I had a bit of a food baby I couldn't curl my hair I wasn't feeling my best and everyone was saying how lovely this dress was and I was just having a great day it was beautiful sunshine I went to the little Christmas shop in Liberty Square and I got a personalized bauble for my mum you'll have heard me say this a hundred million times but I always buy my mum a Christmas decoration when I go to Disney parks it's become our own little tradition and to say thank you for for having Pekin my dog while we were away I actually managed to get it personalized for her and they put little paw prints like round the name which was really cute so and she was absolutely over the moon she thought I'd bought it because obviously it said mum and mum's quite standard and she actually thought I'd bought it like that she was oh my god and even the paw prints it's so perfect and I was like no mum no it's personalized (laughs) um so did that and they said it was going to be a couple of hours for it to be ready. So I was like, sweet. Um, I managed to eat a couple of food items that I really wanted to try that I hadn't managed to cram in earlier in the trip because we'd done quite a lot of table service restaurants. So there hadn't been that much time for snacking. So I got to try a few Magic Kingdom snacks that were on the top of my list. Um, I randomly bumped into Anastasia and Drizella Tremaine, the ugly stepsisters with no cue at all, just hanging out. Um, and obviously... Uh, Drizella loved my green dress because she wears green so we had a, a little discussion about that I then managed to catch Mickey's Friendship Fair which was the show I told you was my highlight on the first day so I managed to catch that again and um, yeah it actually made me cry um, I'll have to find it for you Tash but they sing a song at the end it's, honestly it's going to make me cry now I don't know what's wrong with me at the moment um, they um, they sing about your home honestly I'm going to cry what is wrong with me and uh, the day we left the Magic Kingdom actually as well um, I'll talk about this a bit later but yeah same thing I just was crying because they're talking about being at home and I was like I am home living my best life 
Um, I also had a bit of a wander to find the gold 50th figures. I bought a Magic Band Plus. I've never had a Magic Band before. So I thought, let's go full whack, get the Magic Band Plus. And you know me and, and novel things. I really enjoyed it. I loved it flashing up with the fireworks. Some of the attractions like Haunted Mansion, when I came off of that, it would like flash purple and start vibrating and having a party on my wrist, which was great. So I did that. I went around and, and found some of the statues and what you have to do to get them to talk. A lot of people were kind of tapping their phone and tapping the watch. You simply just wave at them. So you just wave at them with the hand that's got the Magic Band Plus on and then they'll they'll talk to you and, and, and do some cool stuff. So I did that. I went to see Mickey and Minnie in their 50th outfit. So I think the queue was about 45 minutes and, you know, nothing better to do. And I'd seen it as long as like two and a half, three hours during my trip. So 40 minutes, 45 minutes didn't seem that bad. And now that I know that they're discontinuing those sort of multiple character meet and greets, I'm really happy that I managed to squeeze that in because I don't know if I'm ever going to have the opportunity to see Mickey and Minnie in that kind of setting ever again, which is really, really disappointing to me. So on that note, Tash, we kind of, you know, we spoke a little bit about this in the news, but what, what do you think about this decision? I mean, I think it's absolutely outrageous. What annoys me more? is that they're trying to cover it or he's trying to cover it by coming up with this whole thing about um, staff being stretched. I don't buy that for one minute. He's basically going through those parks segment by segment and thinking any way that he can make more money out of them. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's absolutely devastating. And multiple character meet and greets have been a thing since I can remember. I mean, you're not going to go to a meet and greet and see Chip and not Dale. So why is that less expensive than Mickey and Minnie? I don't think that you get paid more for being a more prestigious character. Um, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine, Eric and Ariel. I've seen hundreds of multiple. T- Tweedledee and Tweedledum, the Penguins and Mary Poppins. It's It's not a new thing that they suddenly introduced. And and one of the press releases that I read that was talking about the withdrawal of Minnie Mouse from the theatre, the Town Square Theatre on Main Street, was saying, well, you know, she has only been there since July. Yes, she's only been there since July, but hang on a second, let's take a, a step back. I remember at Epcot, years ago this was uh my sister was really small so this must have been 2009 I went to a meet and greet where you got Pluto Goofy Donald Mickey and Minnie wow like this, this isn't a new a new concept and you're absolutely right Tash I you know if you want to see multiple characters come to one of our special after hour events or go to a character dine I mean for them a lot of people it's not an option at all if you've got a big family if you've got you know a family of three or four it's not an option for a lot of people honestly if he could he would charge for meet and greets I mean I'm I'm not surprised I would be surprised at that and and yeah and I thought about it and I even think maybe I'm overthinking this but you know how they've taken Cafe Mickey out of Disney Village? I think I even said this to you at the time. I think it's because they don't want it to be possible to meet a character if you've not got a ticket. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably completely right. Because why else would you get rid of... It's probably one of the... I mean, the food's not great, but it's probably one of the more popular experiences in the village because yeah. of the fact that it's got the characters. Yeah, imagine you lived in Paris and you, it was your birthday and you were like, oh, I'm just going to go for dinner at Cafe Mickey and, you know, have dinner with... Mickey and Powers, like that would be such a cool thing to do without having to even pay entry for the park. So yeah, again, makes complete sense. 
Yeah, that's what I, anyway, I mean, I just, I think it's outrageous. And as I say, it's not a new concept. I mean, Disneyland Paris in the 90s, meet and greets were utter chaos. We didn't even queue. They used to just come out of a trap door and just appear. You know, I remember seeing Alice and Queen of Hearts just kind of roaming Fantasyland. The Anastasia and Drizella meet and greet that I just happened upon the other day, like, you know, we're literally talking about it. I did two multiple character meet and greets that that day that I was milling around. I saw Anastasia and Drizella in the morning and Mickey and Minnie in the afternoon. It's just, you know, it's it. I just and and why just Walt Disney World? Is this a pilot? Is this a trial? Is this going to be rolled out across all of the parks? It's um you know what about places like Shanghai that don't have that many meet and greet character dine experiences or after hour parties? Well, what happens then? And yeah, I agree with you. I'm not buying this whole it's a strain on cast members. Pay them more or get more of them. Then that that's your resources. That's your purse strings. That's your budget. You don't you you've overstretched them. Yeah, exactly. You know, either way you look at it, if that is the reason, hire more staff. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to do that because you don't want to pay more. And then you also want people to pay more to now meet these characters. It's, it's, It's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I know last week in the news, we spoke a little bit about Genie Plus and the increases in the price. And I do understand that. I do understand that. I disagree with it. I think that it's disgusting that you have to pay for it in the first place. But as I, as I mentioned, from my experience being in Walt Disney World for two weeks, just a couple of weeks ago, the prices for Genie Plus are clearly too accessible for the majority of people because the majority of people had Genie Plus and what was happening, and I've already kind of explained this in last week's episode, but w- what was happening was where too many people had access to Genie Plus, the lightning lane was getting longer and longer and longer. And it meant that, you know, you've paid for an experience and you're still queuing half an hour, which isn't great. But if you're in that standby line, you're looking at three hour, four hour waits for some of the most popular attractions. That's insane. That is ludicrous. Absolutely mad. So I do understand the need to increase the price of Genie Plus because if everyone's got it, no one's got it. Yeah, yeah. That that does make more sense. I mean, again, I think it's disgusting that we have to pay for that in the first place now, you know. I think it should go back to the days of of free fast passes, but you know, there are times gone by. I don't think that's ever going to come back now. Certainly not under the era of Chapek. Um, so yeah, ran ran over. <laughs> you gave him a nice flair to his name there, Tash. I don't think he's worthy of that. Yeah, Chapek. I don't know. I oh, honestly, I his face pops up on screen when I'm strolling, strolling, <laughs> roaming through Twitter, trolling. I was going to say trolling through Twitter, and I just oh, let's move on. Let's move on. About that. So you've done the meet and greet. So anything else you did that day on your own? Yes. So I kind of, I got to, so my husband's appointment, appointment, (laughs) that's not what I mean, his um, tea time, and that's T-E-E for anyone that's not into golf, um, was actually not till like two. And he was playing Lake Buena Vista. He really wanted to do the Magnolia golf course because that's like the championship one. But unfortunately, it was under refurbishment when we were there. So he did Lake Buena Vista and they recommend you allow, I think, something crazy like four hours for that course again because like people are quite slow and whatever and they're in big groups and 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 whatever so I had quite a lot of time to kill on my own so I he actually went to Disney Springs while I was at the Magic Kingdom and he got 
um, some lunch and then he um, went to his golf. But I've got something really interesting to tell you. So we spoke a little bit last week about the different treatment during the hurricane between sort of value moderates and deluxes. And I'm going to go into a lot more detail about that when we do our hurricane episode, whatever that is, about kind of the differences and, and, and why they were. I noticed a huge inequality in the difference between a moderate and a deluxe. So I'm really spoiling this now, but I mentioned I had breakfast somewhere on the monorail loop, which you you know that that's a deluxe hotel. I mean, there's three deluxe hotels, so it could be any one of them. But anyway, I had breakfast at one of them. And as we were, as I was leaving to get the monorail to go to the Magic Kingdom, my husband was like, it's fine, I'll just get an Uber, whatever, like, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I was like, no, they definitely said to me, like, when I booked the golf for him originally, that they might be able to get him a transfer if it was outside of kind of normal operation hours, because obviously a lot of people like to play golf at like 6am. And he was like, but it's not outside of normal operation hours, it's like 10 o'clock, like, they're, they're going to just tell me to get on a Disney bus or get an Uber or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm just going to ask. So I went to the concierge at this hotel, this deluxe hotel on the monorail loop. And I said, hey, my husband's got golf now, like not right now, but he's got golf today. I'm going to Magic Kingdom. Like, how does he get there? Oh, of course, madam, certainly. Hang on one moment. They escort us to their special, like, I don't know what they called it, ballet, their ballet area I don't think my hotel had that even though I have the lovely Grand Destino Tower there was definitely no valet person so they escorted us over he was given two vouchers to get a Mears taxi wherever he wanted um no to to the golf course and then back to wherever he wanted within Walt Disney World property that's really good amazing really but good. I and I don't know because it's just gut feel, but I just don't believe that that would have happened if we'd asked at our hotel. I certainly don't believe that that would happen if you asked at a value. No, probably not. It, yeah, it might be something that's part and parcel with those hotels. I don't know. But yeah, that's really good. It was really good service. And the little slip that he was given had the logo of the hotel that we were staying at on it. Um, I've definitely given it away now, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of them's got like a really unique, iconic logo. Uh, but that logo, the initials were on the bottom. So I was like, mm, I've not seen any of those knocking around Coronado Springs. But anyway, so that was really good. So his transportation was was all good. He actually didn't get a um, taxi home afterwards because we met in Disney Springs and you could get a boat from the golf course to Disney Springs. And he said he wanted to do that. So he did, which was really nice. And anyway, so you asked me what else I did. So I left the Magic Kingdom and I decided now would be a really good time to go outlet shopping because I knew it was something my husband didn't want to do and I still had a couple of hours to kill. So I figured I'm going to go outlet shopping. And I had a similar experience in one of the deluxe hotels. So I was like, how am I going to get to the outlets? You can't get an Uber from the Magic Kingdom. You have to go to the ticket and transportation system and then get it from there. And I was like, that's going to be a pain in the bum. And by the time I've got a monorail there, I might as well just get a monorail to one of the hotels. 
So I got on monorail to the Contemporary because it's the first hotel that it stops at. It actually stops at the Contemporary before it stops at the ticket and transportation. So super convenient. I took the escalator down to the main concourse and then I took the stairs down two more flights to get me to the lobby, which I'd actually never been to. I've been in that like main concourse that you see when you go through the monorail, but the actual lobby is a few floors lower. So I went down there and I just booked an Uber. And that was it. I didn't talk to anyone. And as I was going outside to get the Uber, the valet guy, because they have valet at the Contemporary as well, pretty much snatched my phone out of my hand so that he could look at the registration number on the Uber app, checked it against the car to make sure, went over and said name. And he was like, Mercedes. He was like, yeah, great. Took my shopping because I had the personalized Christmas baubles and a few other bits in my hand. Took my shopping for me, walked around the side of the car, put it on the seat, came back around, opened my door for me. I got in. He then picked up my little green dress and like tucked it in because it was sticking out and was like, What's your dress, ma'am? And then he was like, You have a safe trip. And, um, you know, if you need anything while you're away, you know, make sure you get back safely, all this kind of stuff. I got so many Ubers from my hotel. Yes, okay, fine. I was with my husband, but no one even bad eyelid. No one cared. This guy is opening the door for me, putting my shopping inside, checking the registration plate. Honestly, world class service. Yeah, that that is amazing. And and I, yeah, I definitely think you're right. I think you would only get that at one of those deluxe hotels. And it's a very American service as well. I feel like you're not going to be getting that in Paris. <laughs> No, no. I've stayed at the, I've I've not stayed at the Disneyland Hotel in Paris, but I've stayed at the Hotel New York, which I would say is probably the equivalent of something like the Contemporary in Paris. And yeah, no, no one's opening your car door for you. No, definitely not. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you got to experience some of of those great, great things. Um, So how was outlet shopping? It was okay. Um, I mainly went because I was really dying to go to the Disney character warehouse and I managed to go and I did buy a couple of things as well. And they had the pretzel spirit jersey that matches my pretzel ears and it was only like $30. And I was like, oh my God, but they only had it in 2XL and it was huge. And it wasn't just, because I was like, I can wear it as like a dress, but it wasn't long. It was just really wide. So I was like, "Mm, no. Um, But I did manage to get my dog a little jumper that says Ohana means family on it amazing love it it was was like four dollars or something ridiculous and then I had been eyeing up this Dole Whip airpod case like the whole trip but it was thirty dollars and I was like that's so much like for a piece of plastic and they had a classic Mickey like black and red airpod case there for like seven dollars or something so I was like amazing so I got that but yeah they had loads of lounge flies loads of spirit jerseys loads of Christmas stuff loads of plushies it's very hit and miss so if you are going to Walt Disney World and you're intrigued go with very low expectations you're not going to you know you can't be like oh that spirit jersey that I saw last year I really want that it's going to be what it is they did have the sweet as pie uh, Epcot Food and Wine Festival spirit jersey from last year and I absolutely loved that collection and they had it in all sizes but because I didn't actually go to the Epcot Food and Wine last year I just couldn't bring myself to buy it I'm gutted that that wasn't the theme this year the theme this year was figment so I didn't buy anything but yeah if that had been last year's theme 
if sorry if last year's theme had been this year I would have bought that at full price so to see it at you know like half price was was really annoying because I was like I just can't bring myself to to do it but yeah bought a couple of other bits um what I will say as well is they sell a lot of Disney stuff in the other stores. So I got myself a little Kate Spade necklace and it's a crystal with little gold mini ears. And I also um, went to coach and I've got a couple of coach Disney bags now, actually. I've got a really lovely um, lemon colored bag with bell on it that my mum got me for my 30th birthday. And I've got a black coach bag that's got two Mickey ears on that my mother-in-law and my father-in-law gifted me um, a couple of Christmases ago. And they had the villains collection available at coach. And there was a bag and I almost sent you a picture of it, Tash, but I was like, she's not gonna, she's not gonna want me to buy it for her. It was the scene where Ursula kind of in Tice's aerial into her lair um printed on like a small little black cross cross body bag um but even at outlet price it was still like four hundred dollars or something and I thought mm, I don't think Tash is gonna ask me to buy that for her if you were Tash I apologize profusely not at that price no <laughs> but anyway so yeah if you are um you know I mean the exchange rate right now is it is just it it that I only bought things that I know that I can't get at home or that were a genuine genuinely really good price. So Coach is a really good example because it's a US based brand. I saw a really lovely bag just in the Coach store at Disney Springs. It wasn't a Disney bag. It was just a really gorgeous um, Coach bag, new collection. Costed it up and text my sister and said, "Could you have a look on?" the UK websites for me because my browser was just not letting me look at anything in pounds. It was really annoying. And it was about hundred pounds more to buy that bag here than it was to get it out there because it's an American designer. So anything like that, like Levi's or another one that are normally a bit cheaper in the US, but otherwise I didn't really buy anything because the exchange rate was so, so awful. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair enough. That is, I mean, disappointing, obviously, that that is that is the case. But yeah, I mean those outlets again, I, like you say, they can be hit and miss. I think from the character warehouse, I got a pair of mini ears when I went, but there was a lot of old stock and things, and it was like again, I completely agree with you. Can't buy something from a, a period or a, an event where I haven't been there. It just feels a bit wrong. Yeah, and I'm sure plenty of people do, but I was like. Mm, I don't I don't know it just feels fraudulent yeah it does I've lost what day we're on here so uh this was on Wednesday okay so any more Disney magic once you met back up with Grumpy on this trip I had some food at Disney Springs and then back to our hotel for a very early start the following morning so what did you do the following morning so Thursday, we went to Universal and we crammed in Universal Studios with Island of Adventure. Thank you, Hurricane Ian. And I'm not going to talk about Universal because this is a Disney podcast and we don't talk about Universal. No, no, no. And despite that, actually, I do have two things I want to say about Universal. The first one is when I was a teenager... I went through this kind of almost rebellious stage, a little bit like when you're a little girl and you're like, I don't like pink anymore. Pink is babyish. I had a little bit of a Disney rebellion stage where I still loved it, 
But I was like, Universal is so much better. Disney's for babies. Universal's got all the roller coasters. And probably even my last trip in 2012, so 10 years ago, I would have said that the Universal attractions were far, far superior to Disney. And I know that's like, you know, a profanity to say that on this podcast, but that was definitely something that I believed when I last went to Orlando. And I was kind of intrigued to see how I would feel. Obviously, I don't have as much of an affinity to the Universal Company as I do to the Walt Disney Company. I don't enjoy the films and that sort of stuff, even half as much as I do Disney. But I do have that really strong love of of rides, theme parks and attractions. And as I say, it was enough for me at age 21 to think Universal was superior to Disney. Also, with the addition of Harry Potter. So the last time I went, they did have Hogsmeade and Hogwarts Castle and the Forbidden Journey attraction. They also had the Buckbeak attraction and they also had Dueling Dragons, which is no longer there. Dragon's Challenge, I think it got renamed to. And now they've got Diagon Alley. And whilst the Harry Potter franchise has kind of died a little bit of a death, I was a huge Harry Potter fan. Tash can speak to this, attest to this, probably equal to how much I love Disney. Uh, There's probably a point where I liked Harry Potter more than I liked Disney. So with all of this in mind, I was really curious to see how I would respond to Universal Studios. I hated it. It felt like Fort Park. It was unclean. The cast members were rude. The food was terrible. It felt unpolished. Rides were breaking down quite frequently. And whilst I would say the best ride that I went on of my entire trip is a tie between Rise of the Resistance and Hagrid's magical motorbike journey or whatever it's called. And, you know, rest in peace, Robbie Coltrane. I'm really glad I got to see that while he was alive. It's actually the last thing that he worked on. If you go on his IMDb profile, it's the last thing that he did. It's crazy to me that I I think that that ride is, is, I, I, I would say it's probably more thrilling than Rise of the Resistance. I think it's definitely in the same league. And I'm, I am shocked that I'm saying that I'd heard people say it was amazing. It's, incredible one of the best rides I've ever been on rides aside rides are not the reason you know the best rides are not the reason people love theme parks if we were going on which attractions the most innovative and thrilling then everyone's favorite theme park would be Thorpe Park right which it absolutely isn't there was no atmosphere it felt cheap and nasty I kind of wanted to leave I I I didn't enjoy it that there was no magic there was never as much magic as there was with Disney but it was it felt cheap and I I can't think of anything else and the other thing that I wanted to say um off the back of that and this is my kind of second and final point about Universal Studios for as much as we complain about Bob Chapek Universal Oh my God, they are trying to make money like I have never seen before in my life. So at Disney, you can pay something like $20 for this rechargeable battery, um, like a battery pack for your phone. And then when it runs out of power, you just exchange it for another one and you keep doing that and you don't have to pay any more. It's capped at that price. At Universal Studio, you have to pay a dollar every time it runs out of battery. So they're like upselling you on top of the amount that you've already paid up front. And, and this is the thing that I am most furious about. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll already know about this because I went on a huge rampage across Twitter complaining and moaning, but I'm utterly disgusted about this. Disgusted. 
all of the attractions at Universal, you cannot take your belongings on them anymore. You cannot, you're not allowed. Even to the point where for some of the big coasters, like the Velocicoaster, the Hulk, Rip Ride Rocket, there is a metal detector. If you've queued and you get to the metal detector and you've got your phone in your pocket, you have to leave the queue, go and put it in a locker. Can't even have your phone in your pocket. No sunglasses, no wallet, no phone, no loose items, right? If you have a rucksack, a normal sized rucksack, it does not fit into these lockers. These lockers are very, very thin. They kind of remind me of a safe in a hotel. You have to pay $2 an attraction to store your rucksack in one of these lockers that they make you use. So it's not a choice thing. You cannot ride the attraction with a backpack and you have to pay $2 to store the backpack in the locker. Yeah, that is absolutely outrageous. That that would put me off going, you know, to be honest. Like I wouldn't go based on that. I think that's absolutely terrible. Yeah. And I and I if I'd known, we wouldn't have taken a backpack. Obviously, I I you know, I had a bum bag, grumpy's got pockets, whatever. We would have figured something out. I would have taken a small handbag. It's fine. But again, what does that do, Tash? If you think about it, if you imagine you're one of these greedy theme park heads, if you can't bring a rucksack in or you choose not to because you don't want to pay $2 a go, that means you've got nowhere to store snacks. That means you've got nowhere to store water bottles. That means you're spending more money in the park because you don't have any of your essentials with you. Yeah, it's disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. Like these companies, honestly, that has really put me off ever going back to Universal. I wonder what it's like in um, California. I wonder if it's if it's the same or if it's slightly different. I don't know. But yeah, that is absolutely outrageous. Yeah. And I think it's a new thing because I, every single ride I went to, I saw a guest having an argument with one of the staff, like a full on, you're joking, you're joking. Like, and some of these lockers are halfway through the queue. And so, you know, you've already queued and then all of a sudden it's this scramble to get to a locker. Some of them, the lockers are outside the queue. And then, like I said, with Rip Ride Rocket, we walked on because Grumpy and I are able to read signs. So we'd already seen a sign that said, you know, um, there's a metal detector. If you've got a phone, it will make the metal detector go off. You will be asked to leave the line and whatever. I would say 50%, even higher than that, 80% of the people in front of us in the queue ended up behind us in the queue because they got to the metal detector, hadn't acknowledged that. And also joking aside, you know, I said there, you know, I, I read the sign properly. There are a lot of Spanish speakers visiting that couldn't speak English they actually probably couldn't read the sign. It was in English, right? And even if cast members are shouting, empty your pockets, whatever. So, you know, I, I witnessed a lot of people get to the metal detector and then be turned away. They were relatively accommodating. Like if one person had didn't have a phone or whatever, or, you know, gave their phone to their friend, they'd let that person leave the queue, go to the locker and then join the queue with the friend at the metal detector, but it was just, and I get it, right? I get it. It's probably because, especially those three coasters, if if your phone fell out of your pocket on that ride, you're going to cause a lot of damage. So that's less of my my gripe. My gripe is the charging for for the for the rucksacks. I mean, who goes to a theme park and doesn't take a rucksack? Yeah, and also like, I, I get that they're going to argue that it's a health and safety thing, but this isn't the case on any other ride I've ever been on anywhere, to be honest. No. So like, they can't use that as an excuse. And yeah, 
have free lockers. Yeah, definitely. And they call these lockers oversized items. So they said, well, you know, if you had a standard size size rucksack, then it wouldn't be an issue. I'm going to show Tash very quickly. And I know this isn't hugely helpful for for listeners because, you you know, I'm doing a visual thing. But this is my work laptop, um, my work laptop, my work bag that I take my laptop in. This is roughly the same sort of size as the bag that Chris had. It was just a standard size rucksack. And what's even more crazy is that, um, you know, we shoved it into these oversized item lockers and paid $2 for the pleasure for every attraction. Every single one, we had to take stuff out of it and put it on top because it didn't actually fit very well. And I would call that a standard size rucksack. Yeah, yeah. That's honestly absolutely absurd. I literally can't believe that. That's terrible. I think that... Yeah, we should we should leave the universal there on on that note. There's a reason we don't talk about it on this on this podcast. Um, okay, so that was your universal day out of the way, done and dusted. So now we're back to Disney. Are we on Thursday, Friday? So now it's Friday, and this was the final sort of full day of the trip. Very sad, emotions running high. And we had a Magic Kingdom reservation, but obviously at this point, with Mickey's Not So Scary, I had done the Magic Kingdom like four times, I think, three or four times, and Grumpy had done it twice. So we made the decision to go to Magic Kingdom in the morning because we kind of had to, but we knew that we would park hop after two o'clock because as long as you visit the park that you have the reservation for, you are allowed to change to a different park at 2 p.m. So we went to Magic Kingdom in the morning and we did a couple of the attractions that we hadn't managed to squeeze into our trip earlier on. So we did Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. We did Haunted Mansion again because I'd only been on it once and it's one of my favorites. And we finally did Splash Mountain. And I said I didn't want to leave without doing Splash Mountain because I am very aware that it's probably the last time I'll ever get to ride Splash Mountain. So I was really, really pleased to do that. And then as we were leaving, Mickey's Friendship Fair was on stage once again, third time watching it. And they were singing that song again about being at home. I'm going to find it. I'll link it on our Twitter. And Tash, I'll send it to you to have a listen to as well. Just imagine you're leaving the Magic Kingdom and this song is playing. It's like all the feels. So I was crying and grumpy was like oh my god I'm like well I don't know when I'm next going to be here and you know all all that good stuff and then we went back to Epcot because although we had drunk around the world we hadn't really eaten around the world and we didn't have a dining reservation or anything that evening so we figured hey let's go around the world showcase again but this time we'll do food and we'll rate it and review it and again if you do have Instagram if you follow my Instagram which is at Mercedes Lois there is a little Epcot highlight it's got all of that drinking around the world and it's got all of the eating around the world saved as well so if you are curious to know what we thought and you want to see my grumpy husband in action then definitely have a little look at that story highlight um so yeah, I mean, final day at any any Disney park is always very, very bittersweet, isn't it? I think you're very sad to be leaving, but you're very happy that you've been there. Um, did you manage to get to the park on the day that you left or did you have an early flight? So we we didn't have an early flight, but we had a really early transfer. We were quite shocked actually at how early our transfer was. I think it was like 12. 
So we actually in the morning went to Disney Springs. I wanted to do some last minute shopping, but my case was already like heaving at this point. And I was really worried about the baggage restriction, despite taking an empty suitcase with me for souvenirs. So we just kind of milled around Disney Springs and I had to go to the Lost and Found because again, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll already know this, but during Mickey's Not So Scary, I got really excited because I saw my favorite Disney YouTube YouTuber Molly. So she used to be on All Ears and she's moved to Mammoth, which is her own YouTube channel now, which she does with her husband and her friend. And I saw her, and honestly, that was my favorite meet and greet of the entire trip. I was really excited, arms flailing around. Oh my God, Molly. Oh my God, so great to meet you. Put my shopping on a wall in Tomorrowland, forgot all about it. And then after the Mickey and Minnie meet and greet, my husband was like, Where's that bag with the shopping? And I realized. I'd lost it. So I was very upset. But happy endings come to those who wait. Is that a phrase? It's a phrase now. I logged my missing shopping on the Walt Disney World Lost and Found website with absolutely no um what's the word I'm I'm looking for? No, no assumptions, no beliefs. I don't know. I didn't think it was going to turn up basically. I even said if it does turn up, somebody up there is definitely watching over me because I just thought that bag was gone forever. It even had the receipt in it. I was like, if someone really wanted to, they could just go and return the items and get something they really wanted. Like that bag's gone. Well, I was very happy to be wrong. I went to the Disney Springs Lost and Found. As soon as it opened, I was literally the first person there uh, as they opened the shutters, like a movie. And my bag of shopping had been handed in, which was absolutely amazing, completely restored my my faith and trust in humanity. And I ended up chatting to the guy. It was quite interesting. I said to him, I said, you know, what, what's the most popular item, would you say, to, to, get, to get lost? What do you reckon, Tash? Bones. Good shout. It wasn't phones. He uh, he he was very pleased that I'd asked this question. I could tell. I mean, it's probably the most thrilling part of his day, lost things. He was like, oh, wait one second. He came back with a wad, probably as thick as like, I don't know, half of my phone's length, if that makes sense. I'm trying to give like a measurement that people listening can understand. I'm doing a little hand gesture to Tash, but you you can't see. I don't know how big that is. Like an inch, maybe, would you say? Maybe two inches? I don't know. Um, a big a big wad of credit cards. Um, and he said, this right here in my hand, referring to the wad, were all found yesterday in the Magic Kingdom. Whoa, oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's because they don't really have chip and pin in America. So particularly in restaurants, you get that little black wallet and then you put your card inside of it. And obviously they don't get that many people pick them up because what would you do if you lost your credit card? You would call your bank and you would get it cancelled. You're not going to go on the Disney Lost and Found website and log a credit card. Um, you know, and if somebody did turn up, oh, I hear you've got my credit card. Oh, yeah, let me just go through the the 10 wads on my desk for, from the previous week. You know, what day was it? Where were you? All that good stuff. And um, yeah, as I've kind of said goodbye to this man and thanked him, I said, um, out of curiosity, where was the bag found? Because I, I don't know for definite that it was when I saw Molly from Mammoth. I was just trying to retrace my steps and I figured that must be where it was. So I asked him, where, where did you find it? And he said, unfortunately, all I know is the Magic Kingdom. I don't have anything more specific than that. And I went, oh, okay, not to worry. And he said, do you know, 
that is the question I get asked the most frequently because obviously if you lost something and you remembered where you'd lost it you wouldn't have lost it yeah no that's that's smart unless someone else has already picked it up and handed it in by then of course yeah of course of course and I did I did retrace my steps and I couldn't find it so I think that that's exactly what happened Tash I think by the time I realized it was missing which was several hours later a kind passerby whether it was a cast member or another guest had already handed it into the lost and found so a nice happy ending um but you know chaos it um it likes to run amok and from the hurricane to the lovely people at Tui, there was lots of chaos on my my holiday, including the last day where my transfer did not arrive. Oh no, that is not how you want to end your trip. So what happened? So there was probably about, I don't know, 20 or 30 of us. There were a few families waiting at Coronado Springs for this transfer. And I could see on the app that the transfer also went to Port Orleans after it had collected at Coronado Springs. And then a lovely girl, shout out to Charlotte or CJ, as she's known on Instagram, who I had met on the flight out. She messaged me because she was staying at one of the All-Star resorts and the coach went to the All-Stars resort first then Coronado Springs and then Port Orleans. So she could see that obviously I was due to be collected by the same coach as her. So she messaged me and she was like, hey, um, I just wanted to let you know that the coach still hasn't made it to the All-Stars Resort. So, you know, God knows when it's going to be with you. And at this point, it was like an hour late. Pretty much everyone at her resort and everyone at mine had complained to Tui. There's a live chat function. We try calling them. Nothing. Anyway, one lady at my hotel eventually got through to Tui and they told her the coach had arrived at the hotels it was meant to, including Coronado Springs. The driver had said, Orlando International, we weren't flying from Orlando International, we were flying from Melbourne, Orlando International. So he'd got confused and said, Orlando International. Obviously, none of us got on because that's not where we were flying from. So he drove off, assuming that no one was there. God, that is so frustrating. So, so what, what, what did you do? So I messaged Tui myself in the live chat and I got a response and not many others did. And I said, you know, what do we do? And they said, if it's not there in 10 minutes, get an Uber. So I got an Uber. I'm still waiting for Tui to refund me the cost of the Uber, even though they promised they would. So TBC, watch this space. A few of the others read my message, asked me to screenshot it and send it to them. And then they did the same. A few others were quite nervous about doing that. There was one man, a lovely man I was chatting to at Coronado Springs. And I really felt for him, actually. Um, he said, well you know it's it's not good enough and I said oh well they're gonna expense it and to be honest you know a taxi to the airport's much nicer than a coach anyway I get car sick on coaches or you know coach sick travel sick and he was like but what if you he was like that's a long journey it's really expensive and I was like yeah no it is but they're gonna refund it and he was like but what if you've not got the money now like what if you've not got the money up front and I felt really bad and I was like we've got a credit card or and he was like no and I was like, oh, okay. And I don't know if he was offering, like he wanted to get in my taxi, but he had a really big family, so it wouldn't have fit anyway. But I really felt for him. But Tui did send another coach eventually. Um, and luckily, Melbourne International is really small. So once you get past security, like there's not like a big terminal, you've got to walk through, you pretty much walk straight on the plane. But um, 
yeah, it meant for the first time ever in my life, I arrived at the airport like an hour and a half before my flight, which felt like I was kind of, you know, dicing around with death a little bit. I'm a three hour before my flight kind of girl. So an hour and a half felt very, very risky. Yeah, that's that would be very much stressing me out. And uh, what, a, what a way to end your holiday as well. Yeah, I mean, hey, the way out, I don't care. Like if I've got, a, if I miss my flight and I've got to be put up at Disney for another day and it's too easeful, great, they can pay for it. But yeah, going on holiday, I would would not have been as chill. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So that concludes your holiday to Orlando. It was a, a very good overview, I think, of, of both the two weeks. And um, as Mercedes said, next week, we will be talking all about Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. So if you think we shouldn't go into enough detail about that or any detail about that today, then do not fear. And then at some point in the future, we will also be talking about the hurricane and about food and drink as well. Gosh, there's a lot to cover. There really is. There really is. But that's not where this episode ends. We've got time for a really short little segment right now. You heard from Tash a couple of weeks ago about her opinions of Hocus Pocus 2. I absolutely loved that episode with her husband, Benji. But as you all know, Tash is Miss Christmas and I am Miss Halloween. And now it's time for me to have my say, my thoughts on Hocus Pocus 2. Well, I said this was going to be a short segment and it really will because if you want my thoughts and opinions on Hocus Pocus 2, all you need to do is go back a couple of episodes ago and listen to Tash's review of Hocus Pocus 2 because I agreed with absolutely everything, every single thing that she said I had noticed and I had thought. And I watched it in a really weird way. So it came out when I was in... Well, Disney World. So I was staying at Coronado Springs and obviously, you know, getting up at like 6am and going to bed really late and just really, really tired and didn't have that much time to watch the movie. It came out after the hurricane. It could have, you know, timed itself a bit better, but there we are. So I actually watched it in like four 20 minute intervals, <laughs> like a series, because I just would watch it before bed. And then when I could feel my eyelids closing, I'd pause it and then continue it the following night. So it's really interesting to me that despite the fact that we watched it, you know, you watched it properly and I watched it in the, the sort of episodic manner that we both felt exactly the same I would say my big hot takes were, one, it didn't need to be made. Like the movie is a cult classic, but it's one of those things you can't quite put your finger on. Too much time had passed. I just didn't think it did the original justice and it just it just wasn't particularly needed. And then the other thing as well. So it's funny. I watched Hocus Pocus, the original, before I went on holiday and I watched it with my husband. And he was like, they talk about virgins a lot in this. And I think you touched upon this when you were talking to your husband as well and we were saying like what do you think they'll do with the second one and we were like there's no way that virgin storyline is going to be a part of it so I was really shocked to see that they spoke about it probably more in the second one than they did the first and then I guess the final thing when they sang one way or another I actually wanted to die I hate that song doesn't Angelica sing that in like the Rugrats movie or something I just I can't uh, yeah the, the singing was awful for me I mean I'd take that over the bursting into the witch's back when they first appeared like that was just absolutely 
I don't know why or who made that decision to do that. Ridiculous. No, and also, like, I really didn't like the storyline at the beginning of their childhood, and that went on a long time, but, like, they were turned into witches. I, I'm not buying that. They, they were born witches. Like, I, I believe from the first movie, they were born like that. They're sisters, and they've got completely different hair colours and stuff. They're witches, like, they're... And, yeah, okay, they're born witches anyway, and then they, like meet that witch and that helps them like harness their power and then we see that in the future it was so obvious as well like as soon as they showed that I was like oh well let me guess they're going to empower some young women to become witches in the contemporary like 21st century like it was just oh it was so awful and oh I just I agreed with everything you said like them bursting into song when they came back it was like what are they these all singing all dancing witches like no that's not they just sing the song because they're at the party and they're doing a spell I hated that and then the ending I was really touched by Winifred being like well if I've not got my sisters then there's no point but that doesn't go with her character I've got the same problem with that that I have with the Maleficent movie I don't want to empathize with somebody like Winifred she's meant to be evil for evil's sake don't try and and yeah she loves her sisters and I that I, th- I think there could have been a nicer way for them to show that like it would have been better if she had known that she was sacrificing them, done it anyway, and then felt really bad and asked to join them. Like, I'm not buying... Like, it, it was too soft for her. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Like, I I said I fully think that she would be angry about it and she would then, like, vow to re- wreak revenge on the, those girls. Like, there's no way that she would have that softer side. I don't buy it for a minute. No, and then, and also, like you say, like give up her power to be, she'd demand that they bring them back or she'd go on a quest to bring them back. She wouldn't sacrifice her power and 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 cease to exist. No, it was just absolute nonsense. So yeah, I completely agreed with Tash. We always say five is average. I would give it a four out of 10. I'd say it's below average. I do want to watch it again. I want to watch it properly in its entirety as it was meant to be watched and not in like 20 minute segments in the the Coronado Springs with really dodgy Wi-Fi. But um, yeah, I, I was really, and I love the original so much. I mean, I think if I had to choose between Nightmare Before Christmas and Hocus Pocus, I probably would choose Nightmare Before Christmas just because it's a little bit more nostalgic for me. And also you can watch it for more of the year because you can watch it October through to December, really. Whereas Hocus Pocus, it's an October movie. But anyway, that's not what you asked me. I don't know why my brain went to that. I'm, I'm, I'm very tired today recording. I don't know if that shows with me fumbling over my words. But yeah, I would give it a four out of 10. And um, I would say that it, it didn't need to be made. Oh, no, glad we agree. So that does conclude today's rather long episode as always do join us next week for our spooky halloween extravaganza and we'll be talking all about mickey's not so scary in the meantime if you have any questions from mercedes about it you can reach us on instagram at chat disney or you can send us a tweet at chat disney uk and i wanted to do a little shout out um just before we close off so for those of you that listened to last week's episode You may or may not remember that I spoke a little bit about my Guardians of the Galaxy ride photo, which I have now shared on my personal Instagram at Mercedes Lois. And I said I looked like a bit of a hybrid between Cousin It and Chewbacca. If they had a child, I think that's what what that photo would be. So I just wanted to do a shout out to Hannah, one of our lovely listeners, who sent me her Guardians.
Guardians of the Galaxy ride photo because she also looks like the spawn of Cousin It and Chewbacca. Um, I'm just going to share the picture with Tash now so she can see. So she does. Yeah. It seems to be um, a bit of a a common phenomenon for those of us with long, dark hair. So thank you so much for sending that to us, Hannah. And I'm glad it makes me feel a lot better about my, my ride photo. Good. I'm I'm glad it's it's one of my favorites. Great. So that is where we will conclude today's episode and we will see you same time, same place next Monday. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.